Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast, where we're dealing with matters of the soul, life, relationships, money, you know, what it really means to live an authentic life. Really excited about my guest today. Haven't had the opportunity to meet him in person, but uh, I love what he puts out there on social media, puts out there in the world. Uh, I really, the reason I wanted to have him on because I really feel him, just a man on a mission. uh, And and I really relate to that. And I really feel him just sharing from his heart, sharing from his authentic expression. And I just feel him coming from such a genuine place and uh, a deep desire, I can really relate to that, a deep desire to truly serve people and impact people. And I love when I see that. I really resonate with that. He's written several books on the subjects of inspiration and life. His latest work, the book Make It Work, which I'm also uh, excited to perhaps dive into, 22 time-tested real-life lessons for sustaining a healthy and happy relationship. Uh, he is uh, a husband, a father, author, celebrity life coach, international speaker, and he's had uh, quite an interesting journey. If you don't know him, you're going to, I think, be very inspired and uh, definitely check out his videos and his Instagram and YouTube and all of that good stuff. Welcome to Soul Talk, the amazing Tony Gaskins. Tony, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. And It's great to have you on. And, you know, uh, every now and again, I'll check out your inspiration online. And it's really great to feel what you're up to and doing great work out there. So just as I was saying, excited to share you with the Soul Talk community and tap into some of your wisdom. And, you know, you've had, I just wanted to start from the beginning, especially for those that may not be, let's say, familiar with you or your work. Um, you've had quite an interesting journey, uh, starting from scratch and uh, now an author and inspiring folks all around the world. Um, one thing I, I read that I really resonated with is you're raised in the church and the son of a, a pastor. Uh, I was raised in the church and son of a minister myself. And so we have that in common. So tell me a bit about your journey. Tell me a bit about the journey of you know, how you got started, because uh, there's no cookie cutter approach to being a life coach and a speaker. And it's not always an easy journey, but I'm curious what, uh, what, what put you on the path? I mean, it sounds like you had a foundation, but where did you make a decision? What inspired you to make a decision to really uh, inspire people's lives and, and, and be a, a role model of possibilities? How did that, how did that unfold? Well, for me, I believe kind of like when you are called to something, you can be running from it, but life will find a way to push you in the direction that you're called to, even if you don't recognize what's happening. So in the beginning, it was me just looking for a different way to make a living. Mm -hmm. And I love to write and I love to share, you know, wisdom that would just come to me. And so when I was 22, I started writing a book. Um, And I had started earlier than that, but I really got a good idea from a friend of mine um, that I grew up with. And she told me like, Tony, write a book for us ladies, giving us the tips and tools, you know, on dating. Mm. And so I said, okay, go to your college friends and get me 10 questions. And so we came up with like Mm. 10 pressing questions. And And I decided to just use my gift of writing and expressing myself. And from that, 
you know, that was 22 years old, but that was after being what I would relate to the prodigal son, you know, being raised by a minister, but then going to college on a full football scholarship and I got hurt and I just started to feel lost and insignificant and I wanted to be cool. I wanted to stand out. I wanted to be noticed. I didn't want to damage my body in the process, like getting high and getting drunk. So I went to the other side. Hey, everybody's smoking. Let me be the guy that provides the marijuana that they're smoking because mm. that's what that's what all my cousins and family did back home and so to make money. And so I went that route, very small scale, petty, just being the college dealer, so to speak. Mm. And outside of that, still seeking significance and and just wanting to be seen and show up in the world mm. in some kind of way, but not knowing what I was doing, 18, 19, 20 years old. And so just chasing the ladies. And at 21, mm. my coach, you know, my coach kicked me off the team. And it really was because I kept getting injured, which was because of my lifestyle. I wasn't sleeping right. I wasn't eating right. Yeah. I wasn't working out. And so I just got injury after injury. And he wanted to, he first asked me would I give some of my money back because I was on a full football scholarship, which is $30,000 a year. And so that took care of every expense that I had in college. Wow. And I said, no, I said, no, I wouldn't do that. So then he just kind of used his muscle to to take it back. And instead of taking a portion of it, a portion of it, he took all of it and just kicked me off the team. Mm. And so, yeah, mm. that was kind of, yeah. you know, I, what, what I happened then? When you when you when you got when you got kicked off the team? I mean, how did how did that feel? What 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 was going through your mind? What what did you do at that moment? I was very. So that's angry. a big thing. I was, yeah, I was very angry. I was very hurt. I knew I brought it upon myself. I knew I deserved yeah. it. But a lot of times, we don't realize that we have freedom of choice and not freedom of consequence, and we try to avoid. The, the punishment, you know, the repercussions of our actions. And so I was just angry. Um, I, I think I probably took a BB gun and, and, and shot out his office windows and, you know, just acted out. I was a wild child. I, I drove home um, a thousand miles and I had to start over. So I got into another college and started going to college and, tried to work regular jobs and do the right thing. But then again, just felt invisible, you know, and insignificant and was looking for a way to stand out and never thought about purpose. So I went back to the street life Mm. and it was around that time that I met my wife. And that's when things started to kind of change for me. What was the shift of meeting your wife? Because, I mean, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, she must have been an amazing woman, obviously, to, to inspire a shift. But when you met her, because I was wondering what the shift was that made you go from sort of sabotaging and kind of living a certain way to, to, to really moving in a different direction of a life of purpose. So when you met your wife, was, was there something specific that uh, inspired, opened up? Like, what happened inside of you? something you needed to let go of and and how did you make that shift? Mm -hmm. Well, what it was is, which is probably why I became a life coach is my wife was like my life coach. So, and what I mean Ah. by that is she, she, she met me where I was without judging Mm. me. And then she spoke life into me and pulled, helped pull me up to another level. So she told me, she said, look, you're very smart. You're very gifted. Like you can be special. Like You're not a drug dealer. You're not a thug. Like stop trying to be that guy and be who you are authentically are. Like be yourself and use your gifts. And I was like, no, you know, this is me. You know, I'm a tough guy. I'm a street guy. And this is me, you know, this is what all my boys are. This is what all my my cousins are that I look up to, that I grew up with. Um, Everybody's getting money. Everybody has flashy jewelry. Everybody has nice cars. You know, this is me. This is what I'm a part Mm -hmm. of. And she said, no, she said, no, that's not you. Um, You're more than Mm -hmm. that. And, And she said, I refuse to be with you if 
that's what you're going to be. Mm. And so for the first time after dating over a hundred women by that age, that was, she was the first woman who set a standard and said, I'm not going to just let you be a man, like just be who you are. Mm. I'm going to require that you grow in order if you want to be in my life. And I was like, wow, this, this is the first woman, the first person, the first human that I've met who has really spoken to me like this and said, look, in order to mm. be in my space, you got to elevate. Yeah. Yeah. She clearly saw something in you. She saw that greatness, but she had her, as she had her own standard and she, she really uh, called that forward. But, but you still, I mean, you had to make a, you had to make a choice. I mean, what, were there some things? So, okay, she sets this the standard, which is forcing you to elevate, to make a choice. And were there some things that you you internally had to do to really make some shifts for yourself? Like, I'm curious what you did uh, within yourself to heal, to transform, to you know, to to let go. Mm-hmm. What it was is she spoke to what I knew and what I believed and what I wanted, but I was mm. afraid to try. Uh, I was afraid uh, to believe in, in my wild and crazy dreams of being this significant world changer. You know, that's what I wanted. Uh, that's what I saw from the age of 10, but I was <clears throat> afraid of taking action. So I heard her and it really was, I kind of used her as an excuse to do what my heart wanted to do. Mm. And, so you saw, you and, saw this, Tony, you, you, you had a vision when you like, like even though you were on this other path, you, you had this vision of being a world changer. I mean, it was something that was there before. Yes. Yes. I had the vision when I was nine or 10 years old and uh, I was riding in the, uh, in the back seat of, I was riding in the back seat of, uh, my parents' car, and I probably was 10, 11 at the most, and I remember I yes. was praying. I, I, my parents were heavy in the church, and I was praying, and I was crying, and I was saying, you know, God, if you're real, show me, you know, show me your face. Like, I want to experience mm-hmm. you. I want to feel you, and and I knew that then it was placed on my heart that I would be a professional athlete and I would represent Mm. for Christ on a global scale as a pro athlete. And I believe that thought and that vision is what unleashed the attack, the the spiritual attack um, on my life to derail me from my purpose and to try to Mm. kill me, to try to trap me in, you know, another space. And so, I had saw that years and I just did not know how it would come to pass after I lost my football scholarship because that was my, you know, means to, to a better yes. end. That was going to be my platform. And, um, and after mm. that, I just didn't know how I would ever get a platform. And I remember being, you know, married two years, 25 years old, making $20,000 a year. And I was like, man, I, I never mm. saw my life being here at 25. Like I saw mm. myself being a six-figure earner, a, a celebrity, a, a pro athlete, like a su- very successful person by 25. I'm like, and, yes. and I'm a bum. And um, and and it really, I didn't I didn't know how my life was going to change. I just knew that I had to mm. keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there I don't know. Was 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 the what kept? Well, let me ask this first. In that moment, you're 25, going, "Wow, this is not where I thought I should be." I think many people might relate to this. Is not whether they're 25, 35, 45, you know, 55, 65. I think there might be some folks that feel like this is not where I thought I would be. What kept you going in that moment? Like, what stopped you from giving up? I mean, you had a good woman, married. But still, I mean, lots of folks have great relationships and they still give up. You know, they just give up on their dreams. So what what stopped you? What kept you going? And how did you find your true purpose? Mm -hmm. Well, what kept me going was the fact that 
I had nothing to lose, you know. So I was making $20,000 a year and I was a husband and a father. And I'm like, I, I can't really move up or make much more money than this with my skills in corporate America and with no college degree. And so Mm. I will be stuck in this for the rest of my life, or I can risk my life being a police officer or a detention deputy to try to make 45 to 60,000, but still that's not, Mm. you know, life changing money, you know, in, in America. And so I had nothing to lose. And and I also know that it was a deep call. It was a pull. It was Mm. a tug. So it was bigger than me. It was spiritual. You know, I felt like it was, you know, the presence of God giving me a strength that I didn't understand that kept pushing me, guiding me towards the light. And it was kind of like, use everything you can. So... And, and learn everything you can. So I stopped listening to rap music. And I was mm, listening to, okay. you know, I was listening to gangster rappers, you know, and mm. from Florida and, and Georgia. I threw their CDs out the window and I started listening mm. to Zig Ziglar. And mm. from Zig Ziglar, I heard of Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy. Yes. And then the more I dug, I bumped into C.S. Lewis and Napoleon Mm. Hill. And, you know, so I was getting this wisdom from the other side of the tracks, as we would call it, because Mm. these were all white males and I'm a black male. Mm. And so and they were all twice my age or, you know, three times my age. So it was a different type of wisdom and teaching that hadn't that I hadn't been privy to throughout my life. And so Mm. I took that as motivation and it inspired me to think my own thoughts and to write my Mm -hmm. own quotes and to develop my own, write my own books and create my own coaching programs. And so I just Mm. used that as fuel and motivation. I said, look, if these guys who don't have a college degree who didn't have formal training, who started out as door-to-door salesmen selling vacuum cleaners or silverware can change their life and become world-renowned, you know, motivators, then why can't I? And so Mm -hmm. that's really what kept me. And I did something crazy. You know, I was working eight hours a day in a group home as a, you know, counselor, it's really like a support staff. You're kind of like a babysitter Mm -hmm. of of adult men who have mental Mm -hmm. issues. And I had, you know, iPhone had come out and they had the little headphones. And so I would put one earbud in. And so the entire day at work, I would be listening to Zig Ziglar for eight hours straight. Uh And Uh that amount of immersion into self-development and he had a thing he called automobile university where you would listen to you know his tapes and recordings in your car and so the entire drive to work 30 minutes or so i would listen the entire eight hours and then the entire 30 30 minutes home get home talk to my wife spend time with her but then she would fall asleep and then i would stay up sometimes another two three hours still listening, Mm. learning, planning, writing. And I I just went through kind of like a self-inflicted, you know, boot camp Mm. for a couple of years. Mm. Mm. Now, you mentioned earlier, you know, fear. And interesting, you know, the the, the fear of even owning one's greatness. And I think fear is, is obviously on the path of being human, something that stops us, fear of expressing our voice, fear of being who we really are, fear of uh, even you know, acknowledging the call that God has for us because sometimes we feel it's, 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 it's bigger than us and it can be scary. So I'm wondering, how did you deal with, how did you overcome and move through that fear? How, do you de- how did you deal with the fear? How do you deal with the fear? And how can the listeners listening in, if they're in a moment where they're faced with fear, fear of, you know, taking a different path, leaving their job, following their their dream, their purpose, 
uh, how can they deal with fear? I read a quote once that said, courage isn't the absence of fear. Um, and so it's, it's the overcoming of it. And, and mm-hmm. what it means to me is I still battle with fear every day. You know, I, the video, my last video I just posted about the life coaching industry and being a life coach, I battled fear posting that simple video because mm. I fear, you know, I fear my greatness. I fear my excellence. I fear my platform and my potential. Um, I fear those things because we, I fear criticism and I fear mm. judgment and I fear uh, making someone else feel less than if they don't know how to see my highlight reel and be inspired by it. And, and I fear mm. them being demoralized by it and it building hate mm. and resentment in their heart instead of motivation and inspiration. So I fear a, a plethora of things, and every day I just have to overcome it. I have to talk to myself about the other side of it, and I have to remind myself that I have a unique gift and a unique calling and a unique voice, and and I'm in a unique space. And if I don't show up, then I would be displeasing to God and also cheating the world. And I would live and die as just a social security number. So I compare both sides and then I weigh them. And I say, what weighs more on my heart? The the fear of being displeasing to God and cheating the world of my gifts and of my greatness Mm. that was naturally instilled in me or the fear Mm. of being judged by someone who's having a bad day because they're operating from the wrong place in their heart. And, and then I make a decision to, to, to go forth um, anyways. And so it's, it's a daily struggle. It's a daily battle. I could be doing so much more. I could be doing 10 times more. Um, and there's some people who are doing that. And it's not that they are yeah. dynamic. It's, it's not that they are Mm-hmm. you know, all knowing or full of wisdom is that they are crazy enough to believe mm. in themselves. They have the audacity to believe wow. that it's their time and it's their space. And so we really mm. see, for lack of a better term, um, we can see an idiot. And I, that's just for lack of a better term. I can't think of another word. Yes. But we can see someone who is rude, who is nasty, condescending, um, ill motives, you know, just a bad person. We can see this person blow up and get millions of followers online and make yeah. millions on top of millions of dollars all because mm. they show up every day, even though if it's from a place of Ooh. insecurity or Vanity, right. they show up every day because they are mm. desperate for attention and mm. and the universe rewards them for showing up every mm. day and claiming their seat at the table. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So how does how does someone let's say someone's listening in and they're like, OK, I want to believe in myself. I want, I want to, Tony, I want to believe in myself. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling pumped here in Tony. want to believe in myself. You know, you talk about the audacity of believing in yourself. And it does kind of take that. You know, you look at someone like Muhammad Ali who says, I'm the greatest. He just owned it, you know? And so but what if someone is in a place where they're like, I just, how do I do that, Tony? I want to. But 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 how how do I do that? My mind keeps messing with me and you know questioning and, and so I guess how to develop. Are there any is there any techniques that you've learned that to develop that audacity of just belief? Because I think it's true. I think we we have to be willing to truly believe in ourselves. I mean, if we don't, why should anyone else? And so, what can people do to to, to strengthen that audacity of belief muscle on a daily basis. Is there anything? 
one thing that I started to do is self-reflect and uh-huh. to, to, to look within. And I would put myself through a school of my own wisdom. So I would turn off the podcast and turn off the radio and I would teach. And if I had an hour ride or a four hour ride, I would teach the entire time. And I would teach as if I'm sitting on Oprah or I'm on a top radio show or I'm on the the world's largest stage. And I would teach mm. and I would teach and every single day, every opportunity. So when I was in the shower, when I was in the car, anywhere that I was alone, I would talk. I would talk to myself and I would teach. And what it did is it built the muscle of expressing mm-hmm. myself and it built confidence mm-hmm. because I'm an introvert mm-hmm. and I'm very, very quiet and shy. And so wow. I, I failed oral communications class in college because I couldn't wow. give a two-minute speech in front of 15 of my peers. And I would shake wow. and I would sweat bullets. And growing up, I didn't say a word to anyone. Or if there was more than one other person around me, I would not speak. I only spoke to wow. my close friends who got close to me because we grew up next mm. to each other or we played a sport with each other every day. But outside of mm. that, I would never say a word. So, like, if I had a friend and then I'm going to a game with his parents, with his dad, and then, like, his dad's friend and, like, another friend, because the adults were there, I wouldn't say a single word. Um, I just was that quiet and shy. And so I had to practice talking to myself, speaking to myself, motivating myself. Mm -hmm. And then in addition Mm -hmm. to that, I started to devour information in the way that I prefer to consume this information. So I would listen to the podcast and I, and when YouTube came around, I would watch YouTube Mm. videos. And so Mm. I just would do that nonstop, always just hearing and learning something. And one thing I realized is that knowledge brings confidence because Mm. the more you know, the more sure of yourself you are and the more you talk to yourself. So in talking to myself, I would create quotes and phrases and analogies that would set me apart. And and so I can go mm. on Instagram live every single day and talk for an hour straight and not have any problem because for that hour I give the people, it, I've prepared 10, 20 hours alone. Mm. 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 I love that. that prep- a lot of times people don't see the internal preparation that, you know, that people, that folks such as yourself have actually been through to really be able to stand on the platform and speak and radiate and shine. And so it's great to know. It's great to know that, that, that background. Wow. For those that are seeking their purpose, because it really feels like you have, you know, aligned with your purpose. And <clears throat> was there a moment where you knew, okay, this is my purpose, because I'm hearing you were, studying a lot, which is beautiful to hear. And I love, you know, I grew up actually, we have a lot of similarities. I grew up listening to Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn as a, actually as a young teenager and I loved them, you know? And, and so was there a moment where you, 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 it just connected, man? Or was there a moment where you're like, this is my, per- like, this is what I'm here to do. How did you, how did you connect to it? And get, give some advice on if someone is in a place where, they're like, Tony, I, I don't even, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm clueless. I mean, I think it could be this, that could be that. How, how do I even zone in on my purpose? I truly believe that our purpose is connected to our pain. And that means things that we've done to hurt others or things that have happened that hurt us. And because where you experience or cause pain that's where you learn the greatest lessons. And a part of purpose is to help alleviate pain from the lives of others. And that's your gift to the world to 
provide solutions to alleviate the pain that others may suffer through or be suffering from. Mm. So for me, mm. I was a toxic, controlling lover when I was in college. You know, as a college football mm. player, I was very toxic in my relationships. And so mm. when I began to change my life and I got married, I said, the number one place I can serve is in helping women understand men so that they don't have to suffer in the ways that I made women suffer. And so mm. I started to serve in that space. And that's where I believe that our purpose is connected to our past pain, those pain points, those mistakes we've made or the things that we have endured. And all mm. of us have that. So, so it's kind of mm. like, you know, if a guy you know, made money and he had a good job and then he invested in real estate and then he was chasing real estate for the wrong reasons and then the crash happened and he loses all his money, you know, then his purpose may turn into helping people conquer the battle with money and being a slave mm. to money or worshiping money or chasing money, um, also learning how to budget money, how to invest money. So he serves from his pain. And so and I think mm. the problem what, what we do is we try to we have the wrong motives. So we look at what is popular and we look at right. what is making money and then we want to do that. But for me, mm. I looked within and said, where have I caused the most damage and how can I spend the rest of my life righting my wrongs? And so when mm. I wrote my book in 2007, I did not know of a single other relationship author. So wow. especially in, in my in my genre, in my demographic. So when I wrote my mm. book, like Steve Harvey's Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man came out two years after my book. So oh. I was doing something that I hadn't seen anyone do. And so I had no blueprint of if of if money and success is attached to speaking on love and relationships because it was 2007. So um, Twitter, I didn't even get on Twitter till 2009, and didn't get on Instagram until 2014. And so it was so I so it wasn't like I was online and I said, hey you know, love and relationships are going to be a hot button topic. And unfortunately, I made it become that for several others who mm. they saw my success because I was operating from purpose. And then they saw it as a profitable space that they wanted to jump in and be a part of because mm. being an athlete or being a, a rapper didn't work out for them. Right, right, right. Fascinating. I love that. Sometimes our purpose, to find our purpose, we can look at our pain and use our pain to as lessons that we can distill and serve others with. You know, you talked about um, relationship and being toxic, you know, in your younger years and using that as lessons to, to help women and, and, and for sure men. And so I'm curious, first question of two is, uh, what is the key or what is the most important things that you would like women to know in terms of understanding men? Like if you were to say, hey, women, here's like the three, the four, the five, however many, the most important things. If I could only share these with you to really understand men and end your suffering, what would those be? I think the number one lesson that every woman's ears shuts off when when I say it because she can't really identify with it or believe it in her heart is that she was created smarter than us and stronger than us so that she does not have to compromise or sacrifice her self-worth and her self-respect in order to be with a man. 
that she can mm-hmm. literally hold fast to the standards of her heart and what she wants from a relationship that she can stick to her guns and she will receive that from a man. And it could have been the absolute worst man before she walked into his life and he can become the absolute Mm. best man because she refused to compromise or to settle for what he was trying to force upon her. And I think that is Mm. the mistake that 99.9% of women make. They, they see the man as the prize instead of seeing themselves as the prize. So women come mm. in and bend over and serve. And whatever a man wants and whoever he wants to be and whatever he wants to do, that's fine. He can do it. He can have it because he's the man. It's a man's world. And I got to win his hand in marriage. I got to win his love. And so women don't understand that you're the prize that a man, a woman was created for a man, which signified that men need help, that men need a support Mm. system. But a woman is the support system. She's the backbone. So Mm. what is a body without a spine? So a woman Mm. was chosen to be the strongest because her body is put through the most Even if you think about just the changes and the emotions of dealing with a a menstrual every month, and then on top Mm -hmm. of that, to carry a child and to give birth to a child, like just the thought of it gives me chills and makes me cringe because I couldn't imagine (laughs) as a man. And when I'm truly honest about it, my life Mm -hmm. is easy as a man. My life is easy Mm -hmm. as a man in this world. Because I have not been victimized. I have not been objectified. And so my life as a man has been easy because the world Mm. has been created and shaped and shifted into my realm of power. And women have relinquished their power and their self-love and their self-respect. I love that. I love that, that the whole idea of women, you are the prize. You know, it's not the man that's the prize. You are the prize to really own that. And Tony, to, to, and it, to, to, to the, it's hard to ahead. say. It's, yeah. I say that's no, hard it, to say as a man. It's really hard to say. Um, but I yeah. had to come to to a point of just being honest with myself and, and just realizing like, wow, you know, she was fearfully and wonderfully made. And although I was as well, I have to understand that what the world has shown me The world showed me that a woman was a piece of meat at my disposal and that she was, Mm. this is what the world showed me, that she was intended to be used, abused, uh, beat on, cheated on, and just drugged through a bunch of drama and mess. That's what the world showed Mm. me. That's what all the relationships Mm. around me showed me. And and that's when I had to learn that it's all a lie. Wow. So what would you, with that said now, to the women, what, what's the most important thing now you would want the men to know? That, to understand, you know, about themselves and about the feminine, about women. We've spoken to the women. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's speak to the men. What would you want the brothers I- to know about themselves and about women, you know? Mm-hmm. I want men to know that your greatest life comes when you surrender to the process, when you surrender to love, when you surrender Mm -hmm. and you allow yourself to fall in love and you allow yourself to treat other human beings truly the way you would want to be treated. I think men we suffer from this false identity of manhood and we feel like we have to be a shark in the water sniffing blood. And we feel like Mm. everyone is out to get us. And we, we go into every situation, business deals, uh, relationships, 
as a shark sniffing blood. And we don't know how to operate from our heart as a pure, honest, genuine human being. I see it from the maintenance men who come to my house. When they ride through the gate and they get to the Mm. house, they triple their price and they Mm. lose all integrity. And so it's like, yes, you can get that price, but you're going to get it one time. But the guy who operates from a place of integrity and he is connected with who he really is and he knows what really matters, he will earn and eat from me time after time after time. So would you rather want one payment of $3,000 or 10 payments of 1000 And Mm -hmm. that's the same thing in every aspect of life, even in love. Would you want your life to be taken to the next level because you are aligned with what the universe has for you because of what you're putting into the world. And so we don't understand that when we shift our mindset to be in a mindset of manipulation, control, and deception, we are blocking our favor and our opportunities and the good things that would naturally come to us because we're looking through the wrong lenses. And so men don't understand that. When you're cheating on your woman, that means that you are living as a liar and a deceiver and a manipulator. And so good, the level of good that is set in store, that is placed in store for you cannot be yours because your hands are not open to receive it. Your heart is not open to receive it because of where you're operating from. So my greatest life began to happen when I surrendered Mm. to the process of true maturation and true love. When I became vulnerable in a relationship to the point that I can give all of me and give my heart and gamble on love, meaning that, hey, Mm. I'm giving you everything and I'm being completely honest and completely 100 and my heart is in your hand to hold it and caress it or to destroy me, what are you mm. going to do? And what I've mm. found is that if you are operating from the right place and you're looking at life through the right lenses, then you can clearly see who means good in your life. And so you will choose the right partner for your life. And then you can be vulnerable and open and transparent and honest with that partner because you chose the right person. So that person will take your heart and hold it and caress it, and they will speak into your life, and they will make you a better human being because now this is a reciprocal relationship with a mutual love. And that's what so many men, 90% of men, cheat themselves of that level of living. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love hearing about your the vulnerability and your vulnerability, you know, in sharing uh, how the, the depth of love, the, the fire of love, the beauty of love has transformed your life. How does someone know, how does someone, before we shift gears, how does someone identify, uh, and obviously it's different for each person perhaps, but are there any ways to identify who the right partner, the right person? How do we know who the right person is for us? You know, because many times I hear, I hear people say, I've met the one, you know, they're, they're amazing, Tony. And then it's a disaster, right? And they were clearly not the right person. And so are there any tips to discern or are there any foundational keys to discern how to know if someone is right for us or not? In terms of mm-hmm. relationship, you know, in terms of romantic relationship. Right. The number one way to know if a person is the right person for you is to become the right person. So Mm. a lot of times we are looking without instead of looking within. And you have to become the right person. And so energies you feel 
energy. So by me being a pure hearted, honest person, I can easily sense when someone else is pure hearted and honest. I can also easily sense when someone is dishonest and not of a pure heart. So by me becoming the right person, it makes it easier for me to determine who is right for my life. But see, when you are a liar and you are a cheater or you are superficial or you are arrogant, then you Mm -hmm. will continuously attract bad people in your life because you can't see that they're just a different type of monster than you. You're a monster and they're a monster, but you know, you're, you're the the great white shark and they're the Megalodon. (laughs) So you just can't see it. And, And that is what hurts us because we don't work on ourselves. So for men, a lot of men are so afraid it's like, I don't know. How do I know she's the one? How do I know she's the one? You yeah. never know yeah. if, if you're not the one. So if you know mm. that you're not going to be faithful for the rest of your life, then that means you're not the one. If you know that you're not mm. going to not lie to her, then you're not the one. So you won't see the mm. one. And then when mm. it happens is women will, a lot of women are in relationships that they are superficial. And they want a man mm. who is tall, dark, and handsome. <clears throat> you know, um, mm. they want him to be rich, have a certain amount of money. And right. they want to uh, live off of a man. A lot of women want to live off of a man. They want him to have money so she can just, you know, so she can just get facials and massages and go to lunch after dropping <clears throat> the kids off. And so her mm. motives are wrong. She's not looking at what she can bring to the table. She's looking at what she Mm. can take from the table. So therefore, she keeps bumping into frosters and posers and men who are Mm. playing on her superficiality, if that's a word. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's getting real. It's getting real. Thanks Thanks for throwing that down. You know, in terms of superficiality, uh, I think in our culture today, often we're conditioned to believe that success is uh, the car, the house, the material stuff. You know, we're programmed on social media. It's been going on for centuries now. And so, you know, as you evolve, as you started off as a young man in your 20s with one paradigm, as you've evolved now to a father and husband, curious how you see success. How do you define success? What what does success mean to you? Success means to me, honestly, when you can love another human being purely without lying, cheating, or deceiving. When you can mm. give a person <laughs> your all in honesty and integrity understanding that love is the greatest gift given to mankind. Money is not the greatest gift. Uh, Businesses are not the greatest gift. Um, Beauty and looks are not the greatest gift. Love is the greatest gift to the human race. So when you can love someone purely in the pure essence of love, that's when you are successful to me. You can, your bank account can be negative $1,000. You can be out of work. But if you are a pure lover, you are more successful to me than Jeff Bezos. Mm. Mm. And that's the, that's, the, that's the God's honest truth from my heart. When I look at a man, yes. I ask myself, who is he loving? And is he loving that person purely and wholeheartedly, mm. faithfully? Mm. If the answer is no, he's still a peasant. Mm. If the answer is no, he has no success. He, he is a poor uh, pomper or whatever the term is. He is poor to me. He is bankrupt. If he does not love purely and wholeheartedly, I, mm. I, I, can't, I can't even receive from him. Nothing he says about <laughs> life, nothing he says about business, I can't receive it 
because he's not operating in the purest form of his heart. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Loving your definition. We are re- the folks, we are redefining this whole concept, paradigm of success. Who are you loving? Are you loving fully when you are giving a person all you have and loving you are successful? With the amazing uh, Tony Gaskins here, folks, exploring matters of the heart, matters of the soul. You know, Tony, I want to, for the last few moments uh, we have together today, I want to shift gears, ask you a couple more questions. You know, it, it, it really feels like as you have, as you have lived your love, as you have uh, shared your heart with the world, and you know, let's talk about by worldly standards. You know, you've achieved more success, and you know, social media and video views, and just your work is out there as you reach people, and it's clear to me. Uh, that you're doing it out of love and purpose and a calling, which for me is, you know, very refreshing because I think so many folks today uh, are, are market, just marketers and really don't have it in their heart to truly be of service. So I love, I love where you're coming from and feeling the, the genuineness in your spirit and soul and just really acknowledge that. And so I'm curious as your work has grown and your name has grown and your brand has grown, talk to me a bit about that, you know, in terms of for those listening in that, you know, may be curious about that aspect. What, what's been the secret? Has there been a secret, you know, your social media, your, your work, your speaking, your books, you know, you, you, you do events. And what, what's the, like, what's the secret to that piece? Like what's the secret that has made that happen? Because I'm assuming it didn't just like, boom, happen, you know? So was there a, is there a secret source behind the scenes that has facilitated the growth in the world and the worldly aspect of your mission and your career? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I believe my secret has been true authentic- authenticity. And the way I deliver my messages. So I first built my brand on Twitter. And the way I did Mm. it is every day I would analyze my heart. And so like right Mm. now, I would go into a silence and I would ask myself, what is on my heart? What is life teaching me in this very moment? And I would pull a lesson from that moment and then I would turn it into almost like a poetic quote and then I would share it. I I would tweet it. And it got to the point that I was doing that 17 times a day. And so every day I would post 17 original thoughts on Twitter. Mm. And Mm. because I was giving so much content, Whoever was online at that time, because it's different people online every hour, they would see that content. And because it came from a real and a pure and a deep place in my heart, it resonated with the readers because they were they're living real life. So to read mm-hmm. something real and that's not superficial or just fluffy or just fake motivation, it resonated on a deeper level. And then they would read yeah. And so if you post a superficial quote, just just like a rah-rah, typical standard motivational quote, then it can't hold up next to my real, raw, authentic quote that comes from my struggle or my pain or my life lesson in life at that moment. Mm. And so mm. I would win that battle every time. And my mm. page became more powerful than celebrities who had millions of followers, I would get more retweets than they would with, Mm. you know, a fraction with 1% of their following because of where I was tweeting from. And I remember Mm. they made sites, you know, with algorithms that would measure your, your influence on Twitter. And one of the sites was called clout and it was spelled with a K clout.com. And they measured every Twitter account you could put in the the username and it would show you pull up the Mm -hmm. account and just take it through their algorithm. And 
you're graded from zero to 100, just like in school. And my score when they came out was a 93. And that was the highest score on their system. I was tied with Justin Mm. Bieber and Chris Brown, who were number one and number two on Twitter in based on following. So Mm. the system said you have the same amount of impact as on Twitter with your following as Justin Bieber and Chris Brown does with theirs. And they were like global icons at that time, you know, 2010, 2011, mm. you know, and, um, and so that, that showed me something. It, it showed me something. And, and I just, you know, stayed true to that. I remained true to it. And, mm. and I got away from it years later. Um, because my life started to change. And so my interests mm. started to change. But what happens is the people mm. put you in a box. And yes. so now, now my relationship is perfect. When I was tweeting love and relationship stuff, I was still learning. I was still growing. Uh, but now mm. my relationship literally, literally is perfect. Like we don't argue <laughs> We, every day mm-hmm. feels like heaven with my wife and we've been married wow. 12 years and, and that's the honest to God truth. And so mm-hmm. now I'm really not interested in talking about love because I've figured that out. Now I'm more mm-hmm. interested in building a brand and business and, and, but mm-hmm. people don't want that from me. They don't need that from mm-hmm. me. They want my understanding on love and relationships because that's where my true mm. strength lies. Mm. Mm. And so mm. I, I had, I changed, I went away and then here's what I saw happen. Uh, yes. My income, when I went from my purpose to my passion, because there's a difference. And a lot of times people don't understand that, that your passion may not be your purpose. So my passion mm. became entrepreneurship, but my purpose was relationships. So when I went mm. from my purpose to my passion, guess what? My income cut in half, got cut in half. And mm. I didn't realize, I didn't understand what was going on. And I sat and I talked to my wife and I'm like, babe, you know, our income is cut in half. But even my at half income at that point still was, you know, 700 percent greater than my salary when I was working a job. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it still was more than enough money to live off of if, if you budget. And so I could have mm-hmm. stayed in that space. But what it showed me was something bigger than money. It showed me that the universe rewards you the greatest when you're in purpose. Mm-hmm. Not God. when you're just on your passion because you could be passionate about music, but if you can't sing, then mm-hmm. nothing is going to come of that passion. But your purpose mm-hmm. may be serving the youth who need mentorship. And so you create a nonprofit organization and you're serving in your purpose because of the pain you suffered being bullied as a child. So now you're serving those children who are being bullied and those Children are being referred to you by the guidance counselors at the schools. And now because you're in purpose, you get $10 million Mm -hmm. worth of grants. And of that $10 million worth of grants, you literally legally can pay yourself 40% of it if if you want it to and if you need it to. And so now Mm -hmm. in purpose, you can be way more reward winning awards, uh, traveling the country, seeing the world. In purpose, whereas your passion could be playing the guitar, but you're absolutely mm. terrible at it. And so mm. that's what I feel we, we make the mistake of. And so for me, it was when I focus on my purpose, I have the greatest impact because I do not believe that there is a relationship teacher. I have not come in contact or seen a relationship teacher who is fully, when they are fully teaching, I have not met someone that I believe has a deeper understanding of love and relationships than myself, regardless of their age. Mm -hmm. And I say Mm -hmm. that humbly 
But what it says to me is when I listen to people talk on love and relationships, um, I am not enlightened. I am not inspired. Instead, I more so see a lot of holes in what they're saying and how they Mm. don't fully understand what they're talking about because they haven't experienced a pure Mm. and real mutual love. They've only experienced Mm. the pain. And so until you have been on both ends of the spectrum, you won't have a complete understanding of true love and a real relationship. And so that forces me to say, Tony, you cannot remove your voice from this space right? because then right. The, the people will be left to misunderstandings. So allow everyone else to have a voice and respect their voice, but also include your voice because your voice matters. Mm -hmm. Mm. I love that. Folks, really, as you're listening to Tony, I want you to be feeling into the distinction between what is your true purpose versus what is your passion. And there is a difference, as Tony is breaking it down, there is a difference between what your soul has been called to do is here to do versus what you're passionate about. And you will, the universe will reward you for living in alignment with your purpose. Tony, this has been a beautiful conversation uh, so far. Ever, uh, I feel like we could keep talking, but for now I have a final question for you. Um, if you were to, and you've shared so many things, but I want us to see if we can distill uh, your life, your conversation, um, our conversation into this question if there were if you were to review your life and you know the ups the downs relationships fatherhood successes building uh, the journeys you've been on if you were to distill them into three key life lessons the most important life lessons that you've learned and if you could only pass these life lessons to the next generation your children and their children that you feel these three life lessons would evolve the consciousness of humanity the most, what would these three, three most important life lessons that you've learned in your life be that you'd like to pass on to the next generation? For me, um, my number one would be to live righteous, Mm. which is to live right, to live pure. So to live righteous. And number two would be to look within. So although you can receive knowledge from everywhere around you, always make sure that you resolve it with looking within. And then number three would be to be authentic. Be authentic. And in being authentic, be relentlessly authentic, which means going boldly in on your path in a relentless manner with authenticity. And I think that is where we fail is we are not pursuing greatness enough. We're kind of tiptoeing towards it. And then when we go full steam ahead, it's off of being pumped up or the confidence that we've stolen from someone else. And so we're confident because they're confident about that space or that topic. And so we just mimic and emulate their confidence instead of living righteous, meaning being pure and having integrity and then looking within and then being authentic. I love it. Live righteous, look within, and be authentic. Three key life lessons, folks, from the amazing Tony Gaskins. Just breaking down his wisdom, sharing his heart with you all today. Tony, you know, one thing I ask each uh, guest to share as we wrap up is if you could assign those listening in a homework assignment, if there's something that the, uh, the listeners could immediately do right now after listening to you today to embody, to make even more practical what you're sharing, could you just assign a a specific, simple, tangible, actionable homework assignment to apply some of the things you've been saying? What's one thing they can go and do? 
one thing they can do, I would say every night or morning, whichever works best, spend at least 20 minutes with your own thoughts. At least 20 minutes with your own thoughts. And you will hear ideas and you will see visions that will change the world and that will change your life. So if you just spend a minimum of 20 minutes, my greatest ideas, billion-dollar ideas that are coming to fruition now that are being built came in my moments of silence with my own thoughts. And that is where we develop the mind, I believe. Your mind is developed, and it starts to kind of rewrite some things and show you what it is you need to do, what you need to create, and what path you should be on. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Folks, you heard that 20-minute assignment, a homework assignment from Tony Gaskins to apply what he's been sharing into your life. Uh, Tony, what's the best way uh, people can find out about your work? What's the best website people can go to uh, to connect with you and just, just, just really receive the blessing of, of your gifts and share? Um, TonyGaskinsAcademy.com. TonyGaskinsAcademy.com. So my last name is G-A-S-K-I-N-S. And on there, everything that I learn about life, business, love, I put it there. Mm, beautiful. TonyGaskinsAcademy.com, folks. We will, as always, uh, post uh, the information, Tony Gaskins' information in the show notes. I want to encourage you to uh, check out what Tony has going on, his live events, his book, his information is uh, inspiring, as I know you are feeling. Hopefully, you are feeling lit up and your soul is, is on fire, folks, reconnected, realigned, and ready to roll. Uh, we'll, we'll post uh, the website in the show notes, so check that out. Tony, I want to thank you for, from the bottom of my heart for coming on today and just, just being pure love, man. I feel your love. I feel your genuineness, your true blessing. Thank you for blessing all of us on Soul Talk, may you continue to be used and do amazing work on this planet. Big thanks, folks, to Tony Gaskins. And uh, folks, make sure you write me an email, cootblackson at cootblackson.com. I would love to hear your uh, key takeaways from today's episode. Please do download, subscribe, and share this episode with friends and family, those you feel would be inspired and are in need of hearing this message, which I feel is everyone. And I look forward to connecting with you all in next week's episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.